0: Hi, everybody. My name is Luke Bajarski, Research Director here at Skift Research. We're bringing to you uh, live from Skift New York, our episode three of our Skift Research Analyst Sessions podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about the state of destination marketing in 2017 as a follow-up from our most recent research report, The State of Destination Marketing 2017. So we have the team here, uh, myself. We have Jared Ween, our senior analyst based out of New York. Hey, thanks for having me. We have Margo Big, who's our contributing analyst and the principal author of the Destination Marketing Report. Margo's actually dialing in from Tenerife, Spain. How you doing, Margo? I'm doing well, thanks. Hi. Thanks for, for calling in. And we also have Dan Peltier here, who is our tourism reporter uh, and also recently came back from the WTTC event in Bangkok. So thanks for joining us, Dan.
1: Happy to be here. Thanks, guys. Great. So today we're going to be talking
0: about a lot of different th- themes and topics about what's happening in this in, with destination marketing organizations in general. We'll be focusing on kind of the big questions, looking at funding and the spend outlook for DMOs. We'll be talking about how these organizations are shifting their spend from different channels, going from digital and offline, and maybe even back from online to offline, talking about effective content strategies, and then talking more generally in in the space of this kind of increasingly noisy digital landscape that destination marketing organizations or tourism bureaus are uh, operating in these days and the overall relevance of what they do and how this entire landscape might shape out in the future so let's just kick it off and talk a little bit about where the ad dollars are coming from or where or or where they're going Um, so as part of the report, we did a, a big Skift audience survey targeting digital marketers, uh, and we, we got a total of over 300 res- responses from DMOs all over the world, um, state level, city level, country level, uh, bureaus that answered over 30 questions about how they're spending their their ad dollars, the types of types of uh, channels that they're focusing on the types of content that they're publishing to get a better sense of, of the landscape. And one thing that we found is that, you know, and and maybe this is to be expected, but the bigger, the, uh, entity that these destination, these DMOs are marketing, the more they tend to spend on, uh, advertising. Um, so cities overall had. Uh, you know, look at uh, cities, we saw that 40% of tourism bureaus at the city level spent l- overall, sorry, spent less than $1 million annually on advertising. And about 20% spent between $1 to $3 million. Once you get into at the state level, you're seeing, uh, you know, a, an increase in that spend where you have... Uh, close to 60 per sp- 60% spending anywhere between 3 to $20 million on advertising. So it's really across the board. You know, and one of the things that, you know, is a big topic these days is how, where that money is coming from. Huh. Uh, there's a lot of shifts going on. And I, I know, Margot, you had uh, some good in- interviews, discussions with people uh, for the report. Um, can you? What do you? Th- what do you think? Uh, are some of the challenges in, in raising in fundraising for some of these organizations these days?
2: Well, I think that uh, there are a couple of things. I mean, primarily the fact that. A lot of gov- I mean, a lot of DMOs are completely government-funded, so they're relying on governments, um, state governments, city governments, uh, local municipalities, while at the same time, a lot of states are seeing big budget cuts. Um, and there have also been really big concerns about how the money is being spent. Um, I think there's a, a rapper in Florida, I can't remember his name, um, who made the news because he was given something like a $1 million retainer um, to help promote tourism in Florida and um, – caused a pretty big scandal in a state that already um, has some you know interesting political things going on. So uh, I think that that's those are really the big challenges right now is is how how uh, states are getting funded, how cities are getting funded. and private par- public partnerships seem to be the way forward at least for some um, some states and some tourism boards uh, just because they really, sort of put the direction back into the hands of the people who are actually directly involved with tourism and um allow a little bit more autonomy so i think that that's something we're really going to be seeing in the future in terms of funding
0: interesting so politics tied to the funding daniel dan what do you think is that
1: uh and that that rapper by the way was pitbull right who uh, caused a <laughs> big scandal in florida indeed that was pitbull um He is he is no longer the spokesman for sexy beaches in Florida, (laughs) unfortunately. Um, But I think it's important to remember with the Visit Florida case. And actually, um, I think it was the Florida legislature. They decided um, earlier this week or or late last week that um, Visit Florida would be getting, I think, around twenty five million dollars for funding for the next fiscal year, which was dramatically lower than the. Um, $100 million um, that the Florida governor and Visit Florida itself was calling for. Um, So that hasn't been um, signed into law or enacted yet officially, but that's kind of the situation that they're facing. But I think it's important to remember that um, a situation like Visit Florida, even though it's very high profile because of what's happened with Pitbull, that DMOs facing funding cuts and having to go through these hula hoops to justify why they exist isn't anything new. It's been going on for decades. Um, And that has a lot to do with um, politicians, mostly just not understanding why um, you need to market a destination, especially a place like Florida, um, which the argument is that You know people are going to visit Florida anyways right like it's a beautiful sunshiny state Disney world beaches it has a lot going for it um you know what's what's the need to put millions of dollars behind that to get more people to visit and then the argument is is that it's so much more than that um in a DMO it's not just telling people come to our hotels our beaches
0: yeah no I mean it's a really good point and we always you know, one thing we always look at are kind of the historical trends. And now that we're kind of in a more upward upward kind of trajectory when it comes to the economy, you know, what a lot of what ended up happening in, you know, during the financial crisis where public budgets were being slashed, uh, you know, at the economic development level, I imagine at the tourism level. You know, it's interesting to see that these kind of funding issues are still kind of rearing their heads right now when we're in this very, I'd say, relatively favorable economic environment. And we asked the audience for our survey to look at some of those, just to gauge general sense in terms of optimism. And we saw that for the most part, uh, people were either very optimistic or just generally optimistic Uh, you know, about uh, just over the majority, close to 60%. We're in that category, but we still had this rather large chunk of DMOs that were less than optimistic, um, you know, know, more in the kind of the 60% range and some close to 20% said they were not very optimistic. So... You know, there's still a lot of back and forth. I think a lot of that really depends on, uh, you know, destination, uh, clearly on the type of organization we're dealing with. But, you know, in the bigger context of tourism and travel, uh, Jared, you know, I mean, the you know, these numbers, it's 60 percent, 40 percent of these bureaus are spending less than a million dollars on uh, advertising alone. You know, I mean, how does that compare to? What's happening in, in the segment space and you're thinking about how much hotels are spending and, you know, maybe put a little bit of that in, into context for us.
3: Yeah, sure. I mean, at the higher end, you have the, the online travel agencies where you have a price line spending, you know, maybe four billion or so and Expedia spending similar amounts. And, and then you have the large hotel chains that are spending hundreds of millions of dollars. So you know in terms of the big picture in, in the advertising landscape each Dmo by itself is, is very small um, and obviously if you add them all up they start you know the, the share you know could be comparable to you know a couple of the big hotels um, but individually you know it's it's very subscale and I think that's probably why they have challenge monitoring you know true roi on some of these campaigns you know how much is attributed to them versus a hotel campaign and what's the true economic impact you know and, and that, you know a lot of smart people that work at dmos are just when they look at the resources that they have versus a marriott and then at the higher scale when a booking.com has like obviously you're not going to have the same power to work on google to work on facebook to use analytics
0: yeah. So, I mean, when it comes to digital strategy, that, that's really, you know, that's, that's, it's, that, that's I feel like that's really a crux you know, of the, the question here is when we ask, you know, what the fundamental uh, purpose is of destination marketing groups these days when we're working in this digital environment where all the hotel groups in a destination are spending all this money to promote themselves, but in the process, you know promoting the, the the destination itself and i know dan you talked a little bit about the kind of the connection between tourism and economic development as a way to kind of fill in some of those holes and i know that Margot, you talked about you you, you had a, a very good interview with um, the folks over at the tourism oregon group. but uh, maybe dan first if you could give us a sense of you know what you're seeing in terms of this connection between, uh, you know, uh, tourism bureaus and how they're connecting through economic development as a way to kind of justify funding, or, uh, you know, what's
1: going on there. Sure. So, I know that a lot of that has to do with, um, you know, tourism boards saying that we're not just in the business to obviously, you know, first and foremost, we want people to visit our state. Or our city, or our country, but we also want to improve the quality of life um, for residents in the city. So, kind of taking tourism and and tourism dollars and making that work and reinvesting that in the destination. So that could come in the form of um, you know urban development, you know new housing, affordable housing, um, a lot of you know some. There's, I guess, a growing trend, I guess you could call it, is what's called like a tourism improvement district. So kind of sectioning off a part of a city or, you know, usually at a city level. Big Um, in California, right? Very big in California, where you're identifying an area that um, you particularly want to grow tourism in. And this is really where that economic development comes in. So that also includes, you know, bringing more restaurants and attractions and, but also, you know, restaurants not only benefits tourists, it's also really good for locals. And we've seen time and again when new restaurants open or or anything like that, especially food is such a hook for everybody to visit a new neighborhood or move to a new neighborhood. So it's really about, um, you know, making these cities more livable, but that's not easy to do. And you also want to bring all these tourists in. And yeah, that's really interesting. You know, so we, we
0: have this, you know, scenario where destination marketing Groups are not only competing with other states, other cities, other um, countries for traffic, but they're also competing with the hotels and the online travel agencies when it comes to digital traffic. Um, But nevertheless, we're seeing that destination marketing groups continue to spend an increasingly larger share of their marketing dollars on digital advertising. Um, in our digital destination survey results, we saw that uh, you know close to seventy percent said that digital was going to take up a larger share of their budget in two thousand seventeen. Uh, perhaps more interestingly is the number of respondents that said that digital would take a smaller share, and that was at, in the low single digits, and where. You know, close to a a little under a third said that it would pretty much remain the same. You know, I think that that's a really big question is how you can compete, uh, you know, in this landscape, this huge, expanding digital universe and, you know, really make a big impact for your destination. What we also see though, is that when it comes to, uh, you know, digital as a share of total advertising budget, there is quite a big spread in terms of what destination groups are doing. So if we, this figure here, we see that, uh, you know, kind of the biggest quartile of uh, destination groups that are spending between, the biggest quartile of DMOs that are, DMOs are spending between 20 to 50% of their um uh, marketing dollars on, uh, on digital. So that's, you know, and, but then, but, but really that's really across the board. Uh, you have some that are spending, you know, 8%, 32%. So the share of DMOs, um, uh, spending 0% of their dollars on digital is, you know, an, less than one percent let's say um but when we look at the other set end of the spectrum we see that there are destinations that are going a hundred percent digital i you know personally you know it really depends on the destination here you know but there it definitely is a trend and some of the technology platform providers that we talk to uh are pointing to de- des- to Groups that are going 100% digital, I think that's that's really really interesting. About nine percent of our respondents said that they're spending between eighty percent and hundred percent of their marketing dollars on uh, digital. You know, I think uh, Visit Philly is an interesting example, uh, or at least one example of how. You know, targeted marketing can ultimately impact how you're spending your dollars. A lot of the traffic that Philly gets in terms of visitorship is coming ultimately coming from the New York area, uh, right? So that's kind of an interesting example where you know how do you channel your marketing dollars when it comes to uh, kind of the point of sale markets,
1: right? No, that and that's that's a challenge that every destination. Um... Is facing, and I think what's interesting um, with with Philly um, as an example is that they have um, a separate um, body or organization right. for convention sales and meetings, and a separate yep. um, body that's really primarily focusing on consumer travel marketing and leisure travel. Um, and again, every um, destination um, approaches that differently. Um, sometimes it's all wrapped up into one. Right. Um, There's really no one size fits all.
2: That's actually something interesting that Travel Portland mentioned, um, sort of the CBB versus DMO distinction. And the fact that, um, I think it was actually Travel Tempe, sorry, who, um, you know, the fact that a lot of destinations are expected to kind of justify their existence based on how many, you know, conventions are held there. Or base their, you know, justify their existence on actual visitor numbers rather than really how they sort of enrich local communities, as we we're talking about earlier, and how um, th- there's there's not really a clear cut way to justify how they exist. And I think with some of the things like Adara and Arrivalist and Insight and Sojourn, um, they'll actually be able to use data to really sort of look at how you know, uh, justify their, their dollars in a way that they haven't been able to before. Cause before it was just, okay, we have X number, X number of conferences being held in, you know, Arizona or whatever this year, this means that we should have, um, and number of government dollars. So I think that the technology will actually really, really help the justify themselves in a way that they haven't been able to before. And those that don't or who who aren't willing to invest in this kind of technology are probably going to face some real trouble in the future.
0: Right. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, justifying spend, uh, you know, whether it's business or leisure, ultimately a lot of that is connected to tracking visitors, but also attribution when it comes to return on ad spend. Uh, looking at what you know where people are coming from and whether or not you can attribute. What you pump out there, you know, at the digital level um, and see what kind of impact that is having on visitors coming to your area. And there are uh, different platforms that are working on solutions for that. Arrivalist and Adara are, are two of those. The type of data that they're using is a little bit different. Uh, Adara is using more of the booking data looking at... Uh, connecting with the GDSs, looking at you know, who's booking and then connecting uh, marketing campaigns to users that were caught in their pixels to uh, to essentially,, um, you know, track that spend. But there's always that issue of, you know, correlation causation, right? Is it the person, did the person already intend to go to Philadelphia and just happen to click on? You know a search for philadelphia flights and saw the ad and was that ad really responsible for changing that consumer's behavior in you know in a world of infinite travel opportunities or possibilities these days when it comes to destinations um i think it's, it's always a big question that a lot of the the, the tech providers are are battling with these days
1: yeah, definitely. I know. I was um, just looking at uh, one of the names on this chart, Sojourn. I had um, a conversation with them a few months ago, and they were saying that one of the you know um, biggest problems is that a lot of DMOs um, don't understand where someone is coming from before they visit their site, or even where they're going. You know, most importantly, after their site. So DMOs are saying like we have a big role to play in how trips get booked, why trips get booked. But if you don't know where travelers are going after, um, they visit your site and they see all of your great content, that makes it really hard to say, well, um, visit Philly or visit California, for example, like we factored this percentage or this much into a decision, Um, but it is happening more and more. It's just still so new. Um, And again, funding plays into how that's possible.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And companies like Arrivalist, a they're taking a little bit of a different approach when it comes to the type of data that they're tracking. They're looking more at device uh, arrivals, right? So if you see the ad on your smartphone, uh, the the Visit Philly ad on your smartphone, for example, and then you, uh, you know, somehow appear in Philadelphia a couple of weeks uh-huh. down the road, Arrivalist will be able to attribute that as a you know uh, uh as a uh return on ad spend or a you know a, a attribution for for that ad spend um, but going back to your point margo about how dmos are using this type of data you know you know from the people that we talk to there's really a big difference in in thinking from the board members that are sitting on a lot of a lot of these budget pa- budget a deciding budget for DMOs and ultimately the data that's available to DMOs, right?
2: Mm.
0: You know, just in terms of the, you know, board members being really much more data-driven marketers and hoteliers that are used to looking at data points to justify ad spend where, you know, the destination marketers have less of an option. When it comes to data to kind of justify their their budgets and saying, "Hey, the board, here's you know here's the data." So a lot of the stuff that's going on with these groups like Adara, Rivalist, they're really tra- trying to arm these decision makers at the DMO level with data that they can use to come back with to to their their boards and their, their funding partners to say, "Hey, look, we are actually making an impact here, right?"
2: Absolutely. And I mean, I think, again, it's the question that you find with whenever there is any sort of public involvement in in things is that generally politicians, you know, whether it's a scientific policymaking or anything else, politicians don't necessarily know how things work on the ground. And so, um, you know, Visit Quebec, for example, have um, or Quebec tourism have. Created a public-private partnership that I think is is really going to you know lead the way in a lot of ways because they have industry stakeholders. People are investing in in these new public-private partnerships and are seeing the payout. They know the industry. They know how things work. They know um, about really how things work on the ground rather than just knowing how to to sort of keep. Um, Keep voters happy. I mean, it's just it's just a huge difference, and I think that that's really becoming necessary again with the current political climate and and budget cuts across the board. And I think it'll benefit DMOs at the end. It might be or you know it'll benefit destinations at the end. It'll benefit hotels. It will benefit um, really everybody within the 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 travel industry. Um, and they still are getting, they still are working, you know, in the way a nonprofit might, um, that they still get a lot of government funding. So it's not like they're just going to lose their funding and it's going to become an entirely private situation. So I I hope it will become a best of both worlds um, scenario in the years to come.
0: Right. And that's kind of, you know, looking at, at funding and justifying funding, but in terms of ad effectiveness, Jared, I know that Facebook has done quite a bit of work in, in you know, targeting users facebook uh F- facebook members across the internet can you what, what's your take on you know what destinations might help destinations might be able to use dynamic ads on
3: facebook yeah i mean i think it's one of those things where it's a great technology it's complicated it's complicated to optimize so it just i guess just backing up you know, dynamic ads for travel you know it's it's basically if someone has Facebook open in the background on their app, on their website, you don't have to log in, but if you're, it saves kind of your your history, and you can basically, a DMO actually, yep. Let's re-edit. So, sure. edit. so sure. let's ask the question again.
0: So, okay. Okay. <laughs> so, so, when when it comes to targeting customers, I mean, the, the DMOs are using data to justify spend, but when it comes to targeting actual uh, actual travelers i know that facebook is doing some unique things around their dynamic ads product right
3: right yeah i mean dynamic ads are, it's it's a really interesting technology because if someone is booking a flight you can target them with hotels and you can slice and dice the population where you know they know that luke was looking for a flight to the skiff forum in london and then the A hotel can now say okay i'm going to try to sell you specifically luke bajarski you know a hotel at a given rate um so the conversion on that type of thing would be higher than a typical kind of you know non-google driven ad and obviously the difference google is there's intent there's commercial intent so you're searching for something we're here it's kind of their it's kind of a pull versus a push Mm. um but for the DMO, I think it's it definitely in terms of the, the the branding. I think it's very it should be a very effective platform where if someone has been interested in going to Florida and they've been kind of searching for that, and you you start showing them these great beautiful beaches or things they can do, it builds the awareness. I mean, the challenge is, you know, then it's not like it's a hotel or an airline where they're going to immediately book a link, you know, through the DMO. Yeah. So to track how effective that ad was in getting the person to come. Um, I think it's a huge challenge for the DMO by itself, but I'd imagine these technology providers, you know, they want to keep improving the platforms and, you know, being able to track across devices. And and I know that's been a big push. And I think the next step from our conversations with these guys and also the OTAs and the hotels is is to be able to track across time mm-hmm. so if you were shown an ad but then you don't do anything until a week or two later right now there's really no roi attribution to doing that um but over time i think that'll be something that improves and obviously i'm not like a technology expert where i would know how that works but given that the, the facebook is doing this and mm-hmm. you know you have all these really smart you know deep funded companies that want this to succeed i i would suspect that the time issue will become less and less of a barrier mm-hmm. and i also thought that the, the the way that facebook can track you
0: from your from div- from you know the cross different devices is really compelling too right just going from mobile to desktop back to mobile uh, yeah in a perfect
3: world right right and that's the thing we her, you know because facebook most people use an app and the app is always Pretty much always logged in if you have it, and if you're searching, you know, for travel on your phone, and that site partners with Facebook in some way, which doesn't mean that you're logged into Facebook to book a trip on Kayak, but if there's some sort of like, like button or <laughs> some sort of pixel, they'll know what your your kind of activity or search activity, if you will, um, and then at the same time, when you go to your desktop, you know, typically most people when they go to desktop they don't really use facebook that much but if they do it's the password is saved true um so you get the same kind of cross device because you're logged in on both right
0: okay so we talked about uh, spend attribution uh, return on ad spend talking about tracking visitors but what about let's talk a little bit about content now you know and customizing content one of the questions that we asked in the survey was whether or not destinations are personalizing their content uh, depending on who comes to their website. And here we're talking about the destination, the Visitors Bureau website. And uh, just over 50%, just over half said that they do actually customize their uh, content. Um, you know, it's a pretty, uh, I think it's a pretty big share. Uh, 40% said, uh, well, they were not. Uh, there's certain sh- portion of the respondents that really didn't know but you know I think there's a lot to be done there right in terms of you know a B testing and how that can impact campaign effectiveness um, you know targeting target market campaigns again we said the Philly was a good example and kind of channeling all of their effort ad, ad efforts or a big portion of their ad efforts to the New York market for example. Um, so there's a lot going on in the digital space there.
2: And Hawaii also did something really, really interesting with X-X-B-D-A, where they have this, this uh, sort of video thing that you can go in and you watch a video. It detects your face and then um, it actually looks at the way that you emotionally react via facial expressions um, whilst watching a video of Hawaii. So it'll, they'll show you different scenes of Hawaii and then depending on, um, you know, what you see and how you react, they'll assign you a spirit animal sort of thing. And it'll be sort of like um, your, your traditional Hawaiian animal that will then be your traveler profile, essentially. So they'll be able to really know what kind of traveler you are, um, what sort of things interest you and what things make you happy. So I think it's a really cool way of sort of taking um, typical, you know, testing type heat map sort of style testing to the next level, um, using the technology that's available and then being able to customize, um, content to an extent. I mean, there's still only three different profiles, but, uh, it definitely shows the way forward, I think. Um, so I hope that, that more companies continue to use the technology that we do have to, to really make things,
0: um, that's really interesting. And that's, is that on the visit Hawaii website or how does that?
2: Um, I believe so. I'm not sure if, it's, if they host it on, on the Expedia website or if it's on Visit Hawaii. I think it's on Visit Hawaii, though. Um, oh, it's but yeah, a you just basically watch it, the video and it, it assigns you your animal. So from there, they can then customize content. And I think a general customization, I mean, across the board in the travel industry and really in all industries, um, you know, all, all the studies show that that's what, what the millennial age group really wants. And that's where the bulk of, of spend is going to be in the future. So I think that people who can sort of look at ways to to both find out the data, to get people to declare data and to actually really use it to customize and create individual experiences, um, experiences that people will want to share on social channels are going to to stay far ahead of the game.
0: Right. That's really interesting, you know, like the type of content that destinations are putting out. uh, Greg over at um, uh, uh, Travel Portland said that most DMOs are kind of telling the same story, right? Trumpeting their beer scene, talking about the food scene, their neighborhoods, you know. So what can, you know, a lot of these destinations do differently, I guess, is the question these days,
1: right? Uh, I don't know, Dan, if you had any thoughts on that. Yeah, I think that that really is the challenge. Like, how do you, um, make yourself stand out? Um, especially, you know, every city now is claiming that they have craft beer and and wineries and everything like that. You know, it's, it's really becoming, you know, ubiquitous, um, everywhere. Um,
0: yeah, no, I mean, I think what, uh, one thing that Greg also said from the interview uh, in, in Margo, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but he mm-hmm. kind of looking at like, just like not losing the, you know, kind of the gritty appeal of what makes a destination a destination, right? Not to kind of put too many filters on, uh, you know, the actual like essence of what a place actually is to make it more genuine. You know, if it's mm-hmm. just beer and food and like, you know, kind of like cheesy, uh, you know, like archetypical millennials uh, giving, you know, cheers to whatever at a bar, <laughs> right?
2: Yeah, no, I, I think that's, that's really important is, is um, you know, and especially with a place like Portland, which is sort of rife with cliches anyway. Um, it's important to really look at what sets places apart and just, just as you were saying, um, you know craft beer and wine. Everybody has craft beer and wine and everybody has has boutique food, whatever. So what are some of the experiences that you can't have anywhere else that, you know, and really, really focus on those because so many can be copied and and mass produced. And, and I think that most people aren't really looking for that sort of um, Disneyfication of their travel experiences, and especially as personalization becomes more important. So.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, one thing that we asked about during the survey was this concept of loyalty and how loyalty applies at the destination level, right? Obviously, the hotels and airlines are going after repeat visit customers over and over again. Um, but what about at the destination level? And we've done some work in the past around this topic. Um, and we asked what, what I thought was really interesting in the survey. And this kind of goes back to you know content and how can you do things differently? You know if, if you know those people that have been to Portland already know what's happening on the food scene. What kind of content can you deliver to kind of make them want to come back again? Are uh, some of the questions that organizations are talking about when it comes to uh, loyalty and destination and and really courting repeat visitors or or loyal visitors or people that have been there in the past. And interestingly enough, uh, close to 40% of the DMOs that we surveyed said that they were working on some form of loyalty strategy for their destination. Um, You know, a uh, very sh- small amount, though, on the other hand, actually had a uh, strategy in place, just over 10%. So I think that this is definitely going to be a rising trend in the in the destination marketing world where you see a lot more destinations focusing on, okay, yeah, you know, wh- how do we keep our guests coming back you know, in an increasingly competitive world? That's, you know, it's really going to be you know going to boil down to custom content new forms of content and really giving people a unique perspective on 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 places uh, that they've already visited
2: Mm -hmm. and i think definitely festivals and seasons are the two sort of big things if you can really you know there might be places maybe people would go to aspen or something for for snow sports and go in the winter but why you know, I always ask the question, why would I want to go off-season? What are some of the things that could make me, you know, really appreciate this place um, during its non-typical season? And then, you know, big events, especially if they can get involved with local events and really actually sort of, um, you know, put put their money behind, behind local events that both highlight what local people are doing, um, really put a focus on the local culture and the local vibe. Hmm. um i think those are the kind of things that are going to really attract people you know so a destination marketing organization that that ties up with a music festival or um that focuses on off-season travel and and that will help them keep visitors coming year-round especially in places that are highly seasonal so
0: very good point very good point
1: yeah i think you're seeing that more and more now that Destinations are um, not just saying, you know, we're only here for the summer, you know, and then pack up and then we're closed for business. Like they're doing um, all sorts of things, you know, in the off season. Um, Whether it's, I mean, take New York City, for example. Um, You know, the winter months are some of the best months to visit in terms of prices. You know, hotel rates drop. There's restaurant week. There's Broadway week. Um, You know, we're getting into the um, summer travel season very early now, but you also have things like the Tribeca Film Festival, which is coming and other cities have film festivals more in the off season to kind of bring people in. So um, it is becoming more and more rare to just see a destination totally shut down and, you know, they really can't afford to in in the off season.
0: You know, and again, I mean, that goes back to the types of content that you're delivering, right? I mean, the digital, uh, in the biggest sense of it, you know, digital versus offline, you know, some might argue that offline could be, you know, uh, more effective at times, just given all the noise that's out there in the digital world. These days to really drive a connection, but then again, how do you customize that offline content not only to the individual but by season and uh, you know different events? You know, from the survey we saw that you know that's one key question that we asked in terms of return on advertising spend. You know, which one is more effective: is it digital advertising or offline? And the um, you know the majority said that well, it was it was it was kind of an even split actually. Uh, digital advertising, a little under sixty percent said that digital was more effective, while uh, actually nobody, hardly anybody, said that offline advertising was more effective uh, than digital uh, in the low single digits. What was interesting is that uh, you know close to forty percent said that both were equally important. So there's definitely this idea that digital is definitely the future. Offline advertising, not so much, but then a lot of people said that both were very, very important. So that's kind of the landscape there.
2: Well, digital you can track. I mean, that's the thing is that a lot of people, you know, a lot of DMOs until recently were just holding focus groups or putting out surveys that they wouldn't have answers for for a year later. Whereas digital, you can track it right away. And I mean, again, it goes back to justifying it and, and really being able to look at the data and being able to create data-driven strategies that you really cannot create um, to the same level when you're just asking focus groups what they think about television ads or, um, you know, having people fill out surveys saying what magazine they saw a uh, um, tourism board's advertisement in. So I, I think it's, it's, it's just necessary at this point that, that they shift their focus to digital more and more
0: right yep and you know i mean there's a lot of far-flung stuff coming out these days with like virtual and augmented reality um you know a, a big uh, actually i was very surprised to hear that 24 percent, or close to a quarter of the dmos that we surveyed said that they were you know implementing virtual or augmented reality as part of their uh part of their ma- marketing campaigns um you know, we looked at overall ROI, uh, you know, on some of these investments across virtual reality compared to Facebook, compared to influencer marketing and, you know, other kind of visual formats like Instagram and video, uh, you know, maybe not surprisingly, the, the virtual stuff, uh, you know, more people found that much more, uh, you know, ROI harder to measure uh, compared to some of these more established platforms
1: yeah i I think that's interesting. and um, I know I was talking um, with visit Lex um, over at Lexington, Kentucky um, about this virtual reality um, um, not dilemma, but. Um, challenge, um, an opportunity that they're facing. Um, so they kind of see that right now more um, as an opportunity to promote um, their meetings and their convention business. Um, they've been kind of bringing their VR headsets um, with new VR videos that they just rolled out last month on a road show um, and at different you know trade conferences around the country um, showing um you know, meeting planners, like here's, you know, a video of our, um, of an experience that you can have in Lexington, Kentucky. Um, here's like a little taste of it. Um, you know, and maybe you still want to visit, maybe you don't, but this is kind of one of the first hooks. They said they're also making a video, um, of their convention center that shows basically what they were saying is all you need to know, um, in, you know, a minute or less um, to help you make a decision. So right now on the consumer side, it's really hard to measure. And it's, I guess, less common um, for DMOs to say, you know, we're totally all in this, you know, for the consumers versus business traveler. Um, but I think a lot of DMOs who have tried VR are noticing that they can more easily justify an ROI on um you know the meetings and the business traveler side um avenue for right now um gotcha and that'll probably change as the technology becomes more available more affordable over time
0: so part of that split between leisure and business then is really just kind of just being able to again track the ROI and a lot of the spend right
1: right I mean it's you know if you're having a one-on-one conversation with a meeting planner um who's bringing a lot of business in, I mean that's I guess easier to right? to track and keep tabs on. Great. Yeah. Well,
0: we've uh, definitely come a long way. The destination marketing space continues to evolve, you know, we've gone from offline to online, to new forms of content, to custom content, to tracking content. Uh, so we'll definitely be paying attention to the space and how it's shaping up. and. We'll be running the survey again in 2018 to see how things are changing once again. Uh, But we're all out of time here today, so I just wanted to thank the group here and our listeners for joining in. Thank you. Thanks so much.
1: Thanks, everyone.